Hello, all you lovely frighters out there, and welcome to another episode of Fight or Fright. So before I get into the case, I just want to wish a very happy anniversary to the couple that is my hashtag relationship goals, my ma and dad. Their anniversary is on the day that this comes out. I love y'all. I literally would not be here without you. So happy anniversary. And the day after this episode comes out is my dad's birthday. So happy birthday, dad. And I hope it's a great day. So yeah, lots of things going on in my family this week. And actually for like the next month, because my brother, my, my brother, his fiance, my sister, my cousin, they all have birthdays within the next month. So a lot's going on in the, in this family in the next month. I am the odd man out with the December birthday. <laughs> so this week I'm going to, going to buckle up. Get in my time machine, and I'm gonna go back to my East Coast roots and take a journey back to the 1940s Glastonbury, Vermont. So, this week I'll be discussing the Bennington Triangle. So, the Bennington Triangle is a loosely defined area in Vermont. Glastonbury makes up a majority of the Bennington Triangle, and Glastonbury, Vermont was a logging town in the 19th century. But as logging in that area became less relevant and there wasn't as many jobs, people obviously dispersed and went to other areas and it basically became a ghost town by 1937, which even today it's a ghost town by Vermont standards, which like there's not a whole lot in Vermont. I should take that back because I've never really been to Vermont other than my ski and snowboard club trips that took us there. So maple syrup, maple syrup is boss, man. Maple syrup is in Vermont. And wait, actually, I did go to Vermont because I think that's where Middlebury is. And my brother had a lacrosse thing there. Quite possibly. I only know Burlington. I don't know. All I know is I went to Middlebury and we got syrup because it's lit. Anyway, but I want to speak specifically about a string of dis disappearances that occurred between 1945 and 1950 in the area known as the Bennington Triangle. In these five years, there were five odd unexplained disappearances and they still haven't really been solved to this day. No one really knows what happened. So the first disappearance occurred in 1945. A 74-year-old man named Mitty Rivers. He was a hunting guide. He was well-versed in hiking, hunting, survival, especially in this area. This was like his domain. It's not like he traveled here. He knew the area well. And obviously, if you're a guide, you, you know, you kind of know how to navigate the land and the area. So he was basically like a wilderness slash mountain man. And he was last seen in an area of Glastonbury mountains known as Hell's Hollow, which fuck, why the fuck would you go to a place called Hell's Hollow? Why? Like it just, it's such an ominously named trail but that's like the person that goes to like 
Lake Sammamish? Lake Sammamish. Well, Lake Sammamish <laughs> is where Ted Bundy killed people, so I don't know how I don't know how low that is. I mean, this week we really got to hunting for some of those missing Ted Bundy bodies, but we we didn't find anything. Guys, well, I'll I'll let you know if I find anything. It's so ominously named. I mean, I went to Granite Lake and like things like that. Like it's but Hell's Hollow, I I just don't think I'd fuck with that trail. I don't I don't think I'd go there. But Mitty was a war vet, so once he disappeared, soldiers from Fort Devens in Massachusetts came looking for him. Along with the soldiers, there was a search party that came out to look for him, but there was no trace. The only thing that they could find was a rifle cartridge. And that doesn't necessarily mean there was foul play because he was hunting. So like it could have fallen out of a pocket. Like there's many ways to explain how one of his rifle cartridges could have been found. And in all honesty, like it's probably hard to know like whose rifle cartridge is found. It's just the last area that they knew of him to be in a rifle cartridge was found. Since then, no body has been found. The case went cold and basically he just vanished in on the Hell's Hollow Trail. And so the second disappearance occurred in 1946, around like a year later. It was Sunday, December 1st, 1946, and Paula Weldon was on Thanksgiving break from Bennington College. She was like a freshman. She was 18 years old and decided to go on a hike before school came back the next day. It was the Sunday of Thanksgiving break, She just wanted to get out there. No one was at school. Everyone was still home on break. So she went on a hike and she was wearing red. And the only reason this is kind of relevant is because it made her very noticeable on the hiking trail because she was in a red, which is a bright color that like when I'm going on hikes and stuff, I'm usually in like all black or gray or something like that. So... Luckily, there was, well, not luckily for Paula because what happened to her, well, I don't, I can't say it's horrible because no one's ever found her, but luckily there was an elderly couple that was like a hundred yards behind her and the trail that she was on kind of made a curve. And so obviously Paula was in front of them and made the curve before they did. They were only a hundred yards behind her. So by the time the elderly couple got to the curve, they could no longer see her and she was gone. She was, she just, she was not there anymore. And it's just fucking crazy. She basically just disappeared into thin air. And so the next day, like I said, this was the Sunday of Thanksgiving break. So the next day classes were starting up again. It was December 2nd. She didn't go to any of her classes. And so the alarm bells were raised and she got a search party that formed to find her, but they, they didn't find any trace of her, even with the elderly couple being like, this is the area that we last saw her, blah, blah, blah. And when they couldn't find anything, then there was a reward offered, but that didn't help anything. There was no, there was no body. There were no leads. And again, the trail went cold. So The third disappearance occurred three years, literally to the day after Paula disappeared. James Tedford was a man in his 60s. It was again around Thanksgiving, 
and he had been in St. Albans, Vermont, visiting family for the holiday. He boarded a bus to go back to Bennington, but he never made it. I mean, I know how fucking odd this sounds, but he was seen after their last stop, witnesses say. Like, they stopped, everyone got back on the bus, and then the next stop was Bennington, and he didn't arrive at his destination. So basically, that makes it seem like he just fucking up and disappeared like some Harry Potter kind of disapparated shit from a moving vehicle. Like, some weird wizard-ass shit was going on. Just poof gone. His luggage and the bus timetable was still on his seat, though. So, like, everything that he owned and everything that he brought on this holiday to visit family was still literally sitting at the seat that he was sitting in and was still there. Nothing was gone, but he was gone. And, like I said, as witnesses say... If we can trust their testimony, which I know, I know witness testimony is not always the most reliable source, so you can't always trust it. But if you can, he disappeared on Route 7, which is also an area in the Bennington Triangle near the Glastonbury Mountains where everyone else, well, I don't know Vermont that well, but it's still in the glass, it's still in that area of where everyone else disappeared and part of that loosely loose area of the Bennington Triangle. They searched for James, but again, nothing was ever found. He was never heard from again. There was no body. It literally just seemed as if he up and disappeared, which is just so fucking odd. On a moving bus, you just up and disappear. So weird. But then the fourth disappearance occurred in October of 1950. This disappearance involves one of the youngest victims yet. Paul Jepson was in the truck with his mom. His mom was working and had to tend to the pigs at her place of employment. She had a job to do and she had Paul with her. So she just, she left him in the truck for around like an hour while she worked. I mean, it's the forties, it's Vermont. There's not a lot of people there. Like she, she's like, ah, it, it's fine. Um, but when she came back, Paul was no longer in the car. She obviously, like any parent would, panicked, looked around, and couldn't find any sign of her son, Paul. He's again, seemingly went without a trace. She couldn't find him, and so she called the police to report her son missing. And there was nothing glaringly off about the truck that Paul was last seen in. It wasn't like there was like a window broken or a window down or like a door left open. Like there didn't seem to be anything odd about the truck that he was seen in. So again, a search party was formed. And this time the police also brought in my number one favorite animal, dogs. The pups caught Paul's scent and started following the scent. It seemed to stop at like a crossroads pretty close to where the truck was. So one of the theories or ideas when when it comes to Paul was that maybe a passing motorist saw Paul alone and it was like a pedophile taking advantage of the opportunity of him being alone in a car. But there was also speculation that maybe the parents could have done something. They could have killed Paul. And I mean, they were by pigs and 
everyone knows that pigs eat basically like fucking anything, but there's no proof of that. This was listed in one source that I found. There were no like bone fragments or anything found in the area. Like there's there's no evidence that this happened, but it was kind of something that popped into their head along with the pedophile theory. Again, the police reached a dead end in the investigation and his case went cold. And so finally, the fifth disappearance was only two weeks after Paul Jepson. A woman named Frida Langer had gone hiking with her family. She was a survivalist. She knew how to react in like certain wilderness situations. And she knew a great amount about the outdoors. And again, this is this seems to be an area that she was pretty familiar with. She was at least close to the area. She, she knew where she was hiking. Frida went hiking with her cousin and had fallen into a stream. And so she was soaking wet. And I mean, this was like if Paul disappeared in like October, which I think I remember it being late October that Paul Jepson disappeared. Two weeks later, it's November in Vermont. It's fucking cold. Like... This is a place you go skiing if you're, it's basically where the rich people on the East Coast go skiing. I mean, yes, people fly to Aspen and shit like that, but like Vermont is like the go-to skiing place on the East Coast. So in November, it's fucking cold and she was soaking wet. So she decided to turn around and leave her cousin and go back to the campsite Her husband had hurt his ankle or hurt something and was back at the camp. And so she turned back to go change her clothes and get dry. But when the cousin came back from his hike and was like, hey, where's where's Frida? And the husband's like, what what the fuck are you talking about? She went hiking with you. I don't don't know where she is. And he's like, no, she came back to like change her clothes because she got and the husband's like, what the fuck are you talking about? And then obviously they came to the realization that she was missing. And again, a search party was formed, but there was no trace of Frida for six months. After six months, Frida's body was found in a like obvious, very open field near the Somerset Reservoir. This area had been checked many times by searchers. And so, like, what the fuck? People had been searching this all the time. It's a very open area. It's not like you really could have missed the person. So could she have been placed there after the six months? Like, someone just, like, put her body there? I Like, who knows what the fuck happened? But obviously, if a body's been decomposing for six months, it was... They, ha- they didn't have a damn thing. It was six months and... There was no evidence because the body had been wherever for six months. The body was decomposed. So the case, again, went cold. So it didn't matter that they had a fucking body, which this was the only case that they eventually found a body for. They couldn't do a damn thing because there was no evidence with the body. So to this day, like I said, none of these cases have been solved. And four out of the five bodies still haven't been found from what I could find. So obviously a place that's shrouded in that much mystery has some some crazy theories to go along with it. They're fucking fun though. So there's theories of Bigfoot and UFOs and there's alleged sightings of both of these in the Bennington Triangle area. 
These alleged sightings started in the 19th century when a stagecoach was rushed and ran off the trail slash road, quote unquote. And what was described by the people who were in that accident um, is what we now call Sasquatch or Bigfoot. Some people also believe that there was a serial killer on the loose during those five years, but that's really fucking unlikely. Most serial killers aren't going to, like, bridge the gender and age. Like, there were people of different ages, genders, all of that, and that's, it's not impossible for a serial killer to do that, but it's, it's highly unlikely. And, I mean, the only things that even remotely link these cases is that they all disappeared between 3 and 4 p.m. They were all in close proximity, and they all disappeared within the last three months of the year. So, yeah, that's, I mean, that's pretty fucking crazy, but that's not, like, that doesn't mean, like, oh, it's three or four, I'm a serial killer, so let me go find someone. Like, and one of them was on a freaking moving bus. It, like, it, the serial killer theory to me just doesn't make much sense. But a lot of the more recent claims tend to become more paranormal. I mean, everyone loves a good fucking paranormal story and to get creeped out like that. So people speak of terrifying voices on dead air radios. They say that they see weird figures while they're hiking. There's navigation failures and mysterious plane crashes And all of this is in the Bennington Triangle. These paranormal claims even seem to predate colonial settlements, though. There are claims of odd lights in the sky that don't belong, strange sounds and odors. And all of this was before we even had settlers. Again, these claims have been made before colonization. So obviously it was Native Americans making these claims. Native Americans would not step foot on Glastonbury Mountain. They, the only time they would venture into the mountains was to bury their dead. They believed that due to what they called the four winds that the mountain and the land was cursed. And there's at least some truth to this, not necessarily the being cursed, but the wind and weather patterns are so erratic and can change at a moment's notice in Glastonbury Mountain. So there is something to the four winds because it is like four different, four different like wind tunnels coming in one area. It's, it's kind of interesting. Now I'm going to kind of get to some of the more practical theories. I don't like being practical and the thought of Bigfoot and aliens is super exciting to me, but... Due to the wind patterns that are ever-changing in this area and the fact that it was freezing because it was the last three months of the year, the risk of hypothermia was real in those mountains. And as if hypothermia wasn't a big enough risk, there are unmarked mines in that area. So if someone just even slight, even if it was potentially just like a tiny bit off of the trail... They could have plummeted in an unmarked mine shaft, and if that wasn't enough to kill them, they probably wouldn't have been able to get out. It wasn't like a well-populated area. Like I said, it was a ghost town, so they could have frozen to death, and then who's going to find you in a mine shaft when, like, 
that's unmarked. So there, that's also the potential is that unmarked mines were the cause of some of the deaths. But then also because of the ever-changing wind patterns and weather, it is very easy to get off course. We may not always be consciously aware of this, but we are super reliant when we're hiking and when we're in nature on plant growth and the growth of different bushes and things like that. And we rely on our surroundings. And because of the ever-changing wind patterns that the plants grow in, the plants grow in weird, odd, like not normal ways because they're being pushed all over by different winds. So this would make it hard for anyone to keep track of where they are and make it easier to get lost. And obviously the woods are not a place you want to get lost. And I found two recent stories that show how disoriented one can get in Glastonbury Mountains, even if you are familiar with the area. So Chad Abramovich works with Obscure Vermont, or at least during the time of what I, the article I found, he was working for it. And he and some friends decided to venture out to Glastonbury Mountains on a hot summer day. I believe it was July. Um, they decided to go for this hike. And soon after they started their hike in the mountains, they kind of started to become a little bit disoriented and they didn't know their location. And while they were trying to get themselves right and figure out where they were, there was thunderstorms and downpour. Just in the woods, it just started thundering and downpouring. Eventually, after hours, they found their way back to the flats where they started, and it was bone dry. There was, n there was not even a little bit of precipitation in that area. And when they went to speak to the locals, they found out that there was absolutely no rain, let alone thunder that day at all. And then there is a guy named Robert Singley, who is an experienced hiker, and he went on the Bold Mountain Trail on Glastonbury Mountain. He'd hiked this trail many times. His fiance was waiting for him back home while he decided he just wanted to do this hike, get out in nature. I mean, I, I get where this guy robs at. I mean, I love being out in nature. So he goes to do this hike and he has no problems when he's going up. He has done the hike many times. He goes up, but on the way down, he becomes disoriented and he walked five miles before he starts to think and come to the realization, I should have reached my car by now. After that realization, or not long after, he was engulfed in a huge amount of fog. And in this moment, I can only imagine that his thought was how royally fucked he is because he's already disoriented. Now there's fog. There's no fucking way that he's going to be able to get himself back to where he needs to be. Like, you're fucked. And so his survival training kicked in and he found a tree. But once he found the tree, he started trying to start a fire. He thought he was picking up branches. Everything he picked up turned out to be animal bones. I'd fucking peace out of there so fucking quick. I'm already lost. I'm not dealing with fucking animal bones every time I pick something up. But... He kept picking things up and eventually he got actual branches and started a fire. 
in the light of the next morning, he figured out that he was on the opposite side of the ridge from his car and he got himself back to where he needed to be and back to his fiance. But still, he knew this mountain well and even he got disoriented. And so like these stories show how even for the best hikers and the people that know this area, how they can get turned around. And in the winter with snow or the freezing cold, if they fell in a mine, like I said, they could have fallen and been buried with like snow or died of hypothermia. But I also don't think that it was like a serial killer. I think it's a sad set of circumstances that happened to these people. I think it's a coincidence that everything like came close to like the same time of day and the same sort of area. It was all near the end of the year. Like I get that that's really really weird and really odd, but I I don't I don't believe it was a serial killer. Paul, I think actually like sadly probably could have been taken by an opportunistic killer or pedophile. I mean, he was left in the car for an hour while his mom worked, which no shade, you have to get your work done. And if your kid was with you, like it, it was a not very populated area, you wouldn't think much of it. And it's like not even the 50s yet, like people probably left their doors unlocked and shit. Like it's also said that he had talked a lot about wanting to go into the woods and do all that kind of stuff, like any little kid does, like wanting to play around in the woods not too long before this. So maybe he did get lost in the woods. I I mean, no one knows because you can't find the body. And Frida, I mean, she was in the freezing fucking cold in basically like winter time in Vermont. She was soaking wet and wasn't in dry clothes. It's very easy that she could have died of hypothermia got disoriented, went off the trail. Like, if you're getting hypothermia, you're probably not in your right state of mind anyway. Like, you're you're going, you're kind of going crazy. She's, she probably got disoriented. And they ended up finding her later. I don't know how or why and why it took six months, but maybe they didn't check the area as well as they thought they did. I, I don't know. But when it comes to James, who fucking disappeared from a moving vehicle, I have no fucking clue. The witnesses, though, like maybe they were possibly wrong and they thought that it was the last stop that they saw him at, but he missed the bus at a different stop. Like the fact that he was never heard from again is still really fucking weird for that. But maybe it wasn't in a moving vehicle. I I, I mean, I, I have no idea. There's no way I can explain that. But also everyone else disappeared like by the woods and by Glastonbury and he was in a bus. So like, I, I, I don't know. I just think that like when you put all these together, yes, they're in the same area, but like a, a serial killer, like one's on a bus, one's on this trail, one's on that trail. Yes, they're very close, but I just don't think that that's, that's likely. Or maybe he's a fucking wizard and just was like, peace out, man. I, I, I have no fucking clue. Bigfoot or aliens, again, would be the most fun theory. I would love it because I love to believe that there are other beings. Bigfoot, I like, I would love to believe in Bigfoot, but aliens, I believe that we cannot be the only creatures in the galaxy. Like, outer space is fucking huge. We can't be the only things. So as much as those are like super fun theories and obviously alien abduction when people disappear and you can't find the bodies, everyone, a lot of people will go to that. 
But I think in this case, it's the least likely. And as for like the most recent like paranormal things, like the sounds and seeing and hearing people, our brain is strange. And it's a funny thing. I believe that like the paranormal, the ghost and all that shit that people talk about, it's probably just people's brains hearing like the dead air on radio and feeling like they hear something because your brain tries to make sense of things it doesn't understand. So if you're listening to like the static, yeah, sometimes it can be like you hear something. I mean, in the place I live right now, I fucking see stuff out of the corner of my eye all the time and there's nothing there. It's just like that happens sometimes. So I don't think that if it was more than just that they they thought they heard things and like this and that and the other thing. And when it comes to navigation, I can't even fucking get my iPhone to work in my apartment. Like navigation can go wonky in a lot of areas and it's not necessarily paranormal. <laughs> so I, I think as interesting and as sad as all of these disappearances are, I don't think they're necessarily connected by like a serial killer or by one thing. I think it's just sad coincidences and that the mystery of this place has kind of opened people's minds up to make them believe, oh, if I go here, I'm going to see something. But again, with James, I just don't fucking know. Like, let me just say, I'm still not going to fuck around in Glastonbury Mountains at all. I am not messing with that shit. I'm going to go with the Native Americans because I fully believe that they are closer and more in tune with both their intuition and nature. And if they're like, stay the fuck away, I'm going to stay the fuck away. That is this episode of Fight or Fright. I hope you enjoyed it. Ooh, Brianna has a question. If you could get access to Area 51 or the Vatican archives and you can discover anything, which would you choose? Fuck. Vatican. Or Area 51. Dude, I was fucking about to sign that petition to be one of the people at Area 51. I wouldn't have been able to go and I wouldn't have gone because I'm too fucking cheap to do that shit. But <laughs> that's so hard because the Vatican, like, ugh, I'm definitely like a, a history buff and love history. But I would also love to know if there are fucking aliens or something out there. I mean, I'm obsessed with the fucking X-Files. I have like those little Funko Pop figures of Mulder and Scully because I found I found Mulder and I found Scully and I couldn't just buy one because they can't be separated. They're Mulder and Scully. They have to be together. I couldn't separate them. So I got both of them. I feel like I already know that in I know this is pretty shitty, but I already feel like I know that there's some shady shit that goes on in the Catholic church and things like that, but I don't legitimately know if there's aliens. So I think I would want access to area 51 to find out if there's aliens. Like I already know that there's shady shit going on in the Catholic church. Not that all Catholic churches are shady, but there's definitely some shady stuff going on. I know that there's weird stuff, but I don't know if there's aliens and I fucking want to know if there's aliens. <laughs> So anyway, guys, this is this episode of Fight or Fright. Please find me on social media. Again, like I put in the video on the Instagram that I recently posted, please help me get to 20 likes, reviews, ratings, subscriptions, all of that shit. 
on Apple Podcasts. Please rate and review me. If I get to 20, I will give you guys a surprise. I'm not going to tell you what it is because that's the whole point of a fucking surprise. But I'll give you something. And I just, I love doing this and I want to keep doing it. So just please tell your friends, rate and subscribe. Just anything you can do helps. Thank y'all. I love you, Friders. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Fight or Fright. You can find me on Instagram and Facebook at Fight or Fright Pod and on Gmail at fighterfrightpod at gmail.com. Twitter is the only one that's a little bit different in there, and that's at Fight Fright Pod. And if you enjoyed this episode, I would really appreciate it, and it would really help me if you rate and review on Apple Podcasts. Even just spreading the word to family, friends, people you know that enjoy true crime, mysteries, paranormal, all of that kind of stuff. And this is Holland, and I'll see you next week when I tell you another crazy story. And remember, you don't have to fight this fright.